It's Cofield and Company. I'm giving you one more chance, Steve. I can't have you driving down the road in a skyjack drinking beer. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. (laughs) But we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Here we go. Friday, 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 5 o'clock hour, Cofield and Company. We're hanging out at Finley North Volkswagen. You can come in, check out the Tiguan, the uh, Passat, the Family Car of the Year, the 2021 Atlas. 500 bucks off for uh, active duty military veterans as well and first responders. And uh, this is a hell of a deal on all the certified pre-owned models, 1.99% APR. That's crazy because uh, used cars right now are through the roof when it comes to the, the rates you get. So stop on by. We're hanging out until 6 o'clock, and they're ready to show you some cars. So let's do it at Finley North Volkswagen. Adam Candy's with us. He is in Henderson. Uh, Ari, as the show is often the case, is, uh, is in another location. Well, he has to be in the studio. Someone has to be, right? He's in our Finley Toyota Studios. Big five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. So, Candy, I know you're really familiar with the Lady Rebels over the years. You know, you did uh, radio play-by-play for them. I've gotten more familiar with them uh, this year, doing a little bit of TV on your view. And they've had a really good season. And I remember saying towards the end of their last game at home, as they appear to be rolling towards a 17-1 and mark in conference, listen, the road trip coming up against Wyoming and CSU, schools that have had good years in the past, and then the home game against Reno, it's not going to be easy to close this thing out. And I think they got caught in a really weird spot yesterday. Um, it's a rough trip at elevation at Wyoming. Earlier, New Mexico had been knocked off by Fresno, so the Lady Rebels clinched at least a tie of the regular season title. And I think that's a lot to deal with. I've mentioned it a bunch of times on the broadcast, on the TV broadcast. Great teams have to deal with prosperity. And every once in a while, you're going to get caught where you're like, man, we are really good. And this team, eh, we'll take care of them. And unfortunately, the Lady Rebels, who were great in the second half, came out and got off to a bad start. And were down, I think, by at least 13. They could not edge back into it. Now, they're still in very good shape. But the reality is here, right, Candy? They have to win the Mountain West Conference tournament because of the net ranking and the view on the Mountain West Conference. So the mission in the end is to get to the tournament. It's it's far from finished. Oh, it's far from finished for Lindy LaRock, the head coach, and her girls. And that's in large part because of the expectation that she set. We talked to Lindy on uh, the press box probably about two weeks ago now, and I was impressed at how she was not – really satisfied with any of the accomplishments that we've seen so far out of UNLV. She really made clear that this team has higher goals and and aspirations, and it's easy to say that, but to turn the culture of the program so quickly 
in the last year and a half to where they are now, in which she was coach of the year in the Mountain West last year. They finished second. Of course, they end up losing in the opening round of the tournament. To now where you go in as the favorite, uh, it is a different level of expectation. But that trip to Wyoming, let me tell you from all of the years that I made the trip to Wyoming as, uh, as the broadcaster for Lady Rebels, we used to fly commercial in those days. So you're into Denver. you got a three-hour bus ride <laughs> yeah. up to Laramie. There are basically two hotels that can fit you in that city, and you know it's not like you're staying at the Four Seasons. And then you're playing at elevation against a Wyoming team that plays this slow-down motion system that is a giant pain in the butt to go against. So the one thing that actually is going to work in their favor this year is something I never had the benefit of, playing Wyoming and Colorado State on the same trip and being able to not have to make the trip out to elevation twice to actually give yourselves a couple of days to get acclimated. So now they'll go and play the Rams tomorrow, not as traditionally strong a CSU team. They need just one more win to clinch the number one seed. And you're right, this conference is not good enough to get Nat large. They're simply not. Right now, Charlie Cream, who does bracketology on the women's side, has the Lady Rebs as a 13 seed as the automatic qualifier going to South Bend to take on Notre Dame, and that, of course, would be a great season for the Rebs because this team, this program, has not been to a Mountain West final, let alone win the tournament. They haven't been to a final in 12 years. Number four. Boy, there's so much impact with NIL, and it's gotten me thinking when Bronny is up to play in college if they don't get rid of the one-and-done deal for the NBA draft. Candy, what kind of money is LeBron's kid going to get for that one year in college via NIL? I don't think you can set a ceiling on it, honestly. Like Cavender Twins money? (laughs) Sorry, I I laugh at that. They're they're making an incredible, the Fresno State Cavender Twins, they're making in excess of a million dollars NIL. I mean, that, I, I, I could see Bronny getting more than $10 million for his one year in college. And we're talking about a, a couple of you know, young ladies in Fresno, Fresno playing college basketball, not the son of the most important athlete of his generation. Like, like Candy, even compared to Caleb Williams, who maybe do something north of like two, two and a half million dollars, he's already got mega deals. The Oklahoma transfer to USC in L.A., I mean, that – that's a good example. Like I, He's going to blow away any number that has been set so far. He may set the all-time number. But some, there may not be anyone who surpasses what he makes for that one year for 20 years. And you know what? Good for him. Good for him. For all of the generations of college athletes who haven't had this opportunity, who have not had a chance to make any money, not only off their own play, but in this case – you're making money because you're LeBron James' kid, duh, obviously. And if you get that value as a company, why would you not be attaching yourself to Bronny James? It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure on a kid that age. But if there's anyone who can show him through, it's a guy who was called the chosen one when he was 14 years old. Number three. Boy, Aaron Rodgers feeling pretty confident, huh? Real confident. He's feeling a lot right now, actually. Sounds like he believes that he and the lady are back together. You know, here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers that I can't figure out. He was spotted at a restaurant in Los Angeles uh, with his maybe fiance, maybe not, maybe girlfriend, Shailene Woodley, the actress, 
uh, we heard they'd broken up. We heard it was off. Um, then he was on Pat McAfee basically singing a 90s R&B song to her about, baby, I miss you, and you've done so much for me, and baby, baby, come back. Like, So here's what I can't figure out about Aaron Rodgers, Steve. Is this real? Are they really back together? Or is this all a hallucination from the Panchakarma? Do you think that because he has been involved in induced vomiting and three days of eating butter to force it coming out of both ends, do you think he even knows what he's talking about right now? Do you think this is any of this is real? Or do you think maybe she went out to a meal with him just to make sure he eats an actual meal? Maybe she's worried about him because it looks like he's trying to kill himself. I know Ari is very upset every, every time we put this in the lineup. Ari, is there some jealousy here about – is there relationship envy on your Uh-oh. part? Do, do I need to, like, play into this for the betterment of the show, or can I give you my honest answer? No, g- give me your honest answer. You, you, you sent I, over, I'm sick of hearing about their relationship. I like, they're am. the first two people ever to have some contact after a breakup. Is this hit, like, yeah. too hard? Oh. You know, not at all. A little too hard? First off, let me clear a couple things. First of all, I'm not big – I don't have that many exes, honestly. One in particular, of course, I don't have contact with, but we're civil when needed. I'm saying, like, there's nothing wrong. Every Different strokes for different folks. I know some people that have actually been friends, legitimate friends, with their former significant others. So All of mine. Yeah, there you go, because you're such a, a nice guy. You know, the ladies love you. So my point is, is this really news? Is it such a big deal? And we just, it's the off season, I guess, so this is what we got to deal with. I said the same thing about Kim and Kanye. Like, we don't need all these details. I don't need to know all that, unless it pertains to football. So you can tell me oh. how this, you know, pertains to his contract, which it does. I get it. And then we're talking. But oh, that, I can tell you, Ari, how this pertains to his contract. If you're a team out there that is thinking about bringing in Aaron Rodgers next year, if you're the Denver Broncos, you're the Tennessee Titans, the Indianapolis Colts, right now you are watching Aaron Rodgers and thinking to him, thinking to yourself, is he going to pull Lamar Jackson mid-game? Is he going to have Gee coming out of both ends in the middle of a game, are we going to lose him? Is his performance going to go down because he was so broken up about his relationship that he went Panchakarma in the middle of the week, and all of a sudden we're not getting the value out of Aaron Rodgers because he's got to run off to the bathroom to get rid of his gi. Wow. Stunned disbelief. Speechless. From Ari. Before we move on, I will also retract the statement where I said I'm friends with all exes. Move on. Number two. Swept that out a little. I thought about it, and I was like, "That's not. That's not accurate." I don't want to have a misstatement out there, Candy. I'm Those sub fifty percent here, Cofield. So I, you, you, whatever I, you have, you're still better than me. I will let nypost.com know about that. I don't think they care about Cofield on page six. Lubby radio guy in Las Vegas. Right. Clearly, Aaron Rodgers is a bigger story. You being all annoyed. R e. That's all you get. What is going on here? The Commodore 64 is falling apart. No, I cut him off. I don't want to hear it. All right. Uh, Update on Kyler Murray, uh, because we know some Raiders fans would love to get Aaron Rodgers. Is Kyler Murray available? Uh, Ari says that Murray and the Cardinals seem to be on the same page. Are you not buying that? No, I'm not buying that because two things. First of all, if you read that story, and I know Ari's not big on reading stories, that Michael Bidwell, the Cards owner, who went on one of the local radio shows, oh, I, I talked to Kyler, and it, it was all blown out of proportion. It's all, you know, we love Kyler. We, we, we think he's going to be great. I didn't hear anything about there wasn't a problem. I don't hear anything about there isn't a problem. 
I don't hear anything about contract negotiations. I don't hear anything from Kyler Murray saying everything is okay. And listen, Ari, as someone who covered the Cardinals organization in another lifetime, believe the Bidwells on local radio at your own peril here, sir. Number one. Derek Carr, every day we have to have it when it comes to his contract. We have to have it. A lot of speculation. And, you know, more people out there are thinking that Derek really meant that he will only play for the Raiders. And starting to examine if he's if he's held to that statement, what that means when he tries to negotiate, because he can't honor that. And he also can't play on a final year deal of $19 million. He is going to have to be the bad guy for some people in some sense, right, Candy? The good part for us is that Derek Carr, in many people's eyes, is already the bad guy. Right? Do we feel like Las Vegas, in the time that the Raiders have been here, has developed that warm, fuzzy, special, huggy connection with Derek Carr? No. Of course not. I mean, it's not Oakland. They're not firing food at him after the last game. But it's not as though he's become the Golden Knights sort of figure where everybody loves him. Oh, so Derek Carr is going to be somebody's villain. He's either going to leave and go against those words, or he's going to stay and get a contract that nobody thinks he deserves. He's won one playoff game. I'm sorry. He's gone to one playoff game in the time that he's been the Raiders quarterback, which is not entirely his fault. I think Derek Carr is a really good quarterback, but I couldn't disagree more with what R.J. Clifford said earlier about him being an obvious franchise quarterback. Franchise quarterback? That is an insult to the Panchakarmas and Pat Mahomes of the world. That's a franchise quarterback. Derek Carr is a very good quarterback, but he is a full tier or two down from there. Now, you can win with him, but come on now. Franchise quarterback? No. So he should he play for $19.5 million this year? No, he should not. He deserves better than that. But does that mean that he's going against saying, I want to play as a Raider forever? No. No more than any of us are like, you know what? I love this radio station. I'll work at this radio station forever because it's the only place I ever want to be. And then someone comes in and offers us five times the money to go work at the place down the street. And they're like, wait a second. You said you'd be here forever. (laughs) Yeah. But then I got the bag. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, boy. Who knew? Apparently, you guys did. Metallica tonight? You going? $200 right now. I was just poking around on StubHub at a bunch of things, and I was like... Ah, you know, I mean, maybe I don't know. Two hundred dollars. I'm not. I don't have that kind of money. Come on, Candy. I'm not. I'm Show not some Ryan dedication. McKinnell. Yeah, I think Ryan's budget for concerts each year, now that things have opened back up, is somewhere north of five thousand dollars. Between tickets and flights, and for Metallica, he will go anywhere, pay any price to see Metallica. You and know, he ain't sitting, there's no way he's sitting upstairs. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. He's absolutely on the field. <laughs> good seats. Yes. You know they're yeah. good seats. He's, he's down there. He's, he's going to be there. What the, the doors open at 6. Greta Van Fleet is opening for uh, 
for Metallica. I'm sure he's going to be there oh, for that, no. too. Oh, no. I didn't know that. They're one of my favorites. They are? They actually are, yeah. I I, uh, I will blow up any bar with some Greta Van Fleet at some point on the uh, jukebox, as okay. you guys like to mock The jukebox. The next time you're at San Diego State, you got to find my boy, Jamie, Jamie McConaughey, the SID down there. There's not a bigger Greta Van Fleet fan in the really? world. You guys are going to have a great conversation. I think Tony Miller at the Nugget might be bigger. Whoa, really? Oh, yeah, he's, he's fired up. Anytime you get uh, Greta playing, he's all over it. Uh, lots of big events around town this weekend, including tomorrow. We'll be out with the uh, Run and Rebel warm-up at, uh, now I'm blanking all the time, 6.30. 7 o'clock game uh, tomorrow, blackout night. It is Boise State's in town to take on UNLV. It's first place, Boise State. Uh, one student's going to have a chance to make a half-court shot and win $10,000. They're giving away uh, concert tickets, uh, also great specials like $2 Miller Lite beers in the first half, and you can get a family four-pack for the game. That's four tickets, four hot dogs, four boxes of popcorn, and four sodas for just $60. Let's uh, scoot aside here real quick, pay some bills, and on the way back we're going to get to Stanford Route, our uh, weekly Raiders and NFL insider, as he gives us his uh, NFL expertise on a Friday on Cofield & Company. Cofield & Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield & Company. Back here on ESPN Las Vegas, our weekly spot with the former Raider, Oakland Raider, Stanford Route. We have a bunch of good football topics to get to, but I know this is a busy weekend for you. you got the rodeo in town in Houston, and I, I know much of it for you is about the good eats, right? Oh, yeah, man. They haven't had it since 2019. Uh, it got cut short in 2020 uh, due to the start of the pandemic. And then obviously 2021, they couldn't have it as well because of the pandemic. So this is the first time since 2019. Definitely uh, looking forward to it. And, you know, like you just said, good eating. They got the carnival rides. You got the bull riding, things like that. And they got the entertainers every Friday or Saturday. So uh, definitely going to be a fun three weeks uh, for the city of Houston, Texas, and for the state of Texas because it rotates all the way throughout the state. Oh, very cool. So, we have a bunch of coaching topics to get to, and I want to start oh, in yeah. college. Um, I think it's a good thing that the HBCUs are uh, delving into you know, the NFL world. Deion Sanders had a lot of success. Hugh Jackson, former Raider coach, is now at Grambling. He made a really interesting choice, a controversial choice as OC, Art Bryles. <laughs> what do you think with all that's in Art Bryles' background? Really horrific stuff at Baylor. Yeah, it really, really is. And uh, and like I said, Art Browse, he actually coached me my junior and senior year in college before oh, okay. he went to Baylor. So uh, so I have a little bit of a background type of experience with him. But like I said, when he was at U of University of Houston, I didn't have any problems with him. I thought he was a very good coach as far as the X's and O's aspect of the coaching uh, side of things. Uh, obviously, you saw him producing guys like Kevin Cobb, Donnie Avery, guys like that who went to the NFL and did good things. Now, when we get to the other side of it back when he was at Baylor with turning a blind eye to so much that was going on all in the name of winning, trying to go ahead and maintain that big 12 championship level roster that he had uh, for so long and was really going to plow through the entire big 12 and pr basically change the face of them and uh, pretty much go ahead and eliminate the likes of the university of Texas of the world and things like that. Uh, I think that uh, that's where I agree with a lot of what Doug Williams said it just seems tone deaf. It just seems that 
obviously we see what the bottom line is here and with bringing him in as the offensive coordinator when so many other schools so many other colleges so many other high schools went ahead and just punted on the entire idea of bringing our brows on that is where i think hugh jackson needs to take a step back and look at things from a broad perspective because one thing that i was listening to this morning Art Browse is going to have to go into somebody's house and convince the parents and obviously the student athlete to go to Grambling. Well, how is he going to do that? How is he going to look a mom in her face and actually say, yeah, you know, I think your son, this would be the best opportunity for him to come to Grambling State University and actually look at that kid who knows that he has a mom, who knows that he has a sister, a grandmother, an auntie, people like that, that. Art Browse was willing to turn a blind eye into these women getting assaulted, sexually assaulted on campus. And he knew about it and simply wanted to go ahead and sweep it under the rug all because he wanted to go ahead and maintain his Big 12 elite level roster that was also allowing him to get that large exorbitant contract that he earned up until that point. So I think that that's where Hugh Jackson has to take a step back and really look at things because we all get it. It's football. You want to win games. There's no doubt about that. But I do think in certain aspects, you have to think about things bigger than football, bigger than yourself. Yep. And I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and end it with this. If the Grambling State Tigers do not have a hellified offense, and I mean where they're averaging about 40 points a game, where it just looks futuristic, where it just, just looks completely off the charts, where nobody in the SWAC or just any HBCU or anybody within college football that's on their schedule is able to go ahead and stop or at least corral or you know, on, some, uh, on some matters uh, contain, then... That just makes it an epic fail because you went through all of this, the media scrutiny, you went through putting a black eye on your organization, things like that, all to go and have an offense that's not out of this world. Right. So if they do not produce an offense that is blazing up the trail on the college football landscape, or should I say the swag, then it's an epic fail to go ahead and sign that guy. Stanford Routes with us, former Oakland Raider. Um, one more thing on this. Should HBCUs be looking at white coaches as top options or, <laughs> or you know, with what's going on with the NFL and, 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 frankly, most of college football, there are a lack of opportunities and a lack of upper mobility for African-American candidates. Should the HBCUs be a home where you really cultivate coaching spots for African-Americans? I would I, – and I, I understand where you're going with that question. And I want to say no. HBCU shouldn't be targeting white coaches. It should be specifically just uh, dedicated to black coaches. But then I have to stop myself, and this is why, because, well, then somebody who is for Power Five conferences or for the FCS, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the FCS conferences, I'm sorry, FBS conferences, off FBS teams, then they're going to say, well, okay, well, Stanford, if HBCU should be extremely just go ahead and excluded to nothing but black coaches, well, then the FBS programs, they should go ahead and be relegated to just the white coaches. So that's where I go ahead and I stop short of simply making that statement that HBCU should only be targeting black coaches because the backside of that is now you give somebody more ammunition mm -hmm. to go ahead and close the ranks and go ahead and designate the FBS job. Jobs. The FBS head coaches, offensive coordinators, defense coordinators, position coaches, people like that. It just goes in. It designates now. It gives them more ammunition 
to designate for only the white coaches. So that's why I stopped short of making that statement, Steve. Uh, in the NFL, Brian Flores obviously has uh, has brought up issues about uh, hiring practices, especially at the head coaching positions when it comes to African-Americans. So he didn't get a job as a head coach, but the Steelers have embraced him, and he's coming in as a Steelers assistant. What do you think of that whole deal? I mean, like the irony of it, like the one team that actually created the Rooney rule, it's named after the ownership of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're the team to go ahead and take a flyer on this Brian Flores, who obviously we all see he's suing the league, suing specific teams for their hiring practices and showing that there is a extreme discrimination when it comes to even the interview process, the hiring processes of certain franchises within the NFL more than others. And that's the team that decides to go ahead and take a chance on him. He interviewed with the Houston Texans. He interviewed with the New Orleans Saints. He interviewed with the New York Giants. But it just seems like the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a head coach within Mike Tomlin. That is the one team who created the Rooney Rule, who's actually wanting to go and take a fire on him. So you got to love the irony. Um, obviously, I stand with Brian Flores. I agree that there are extreme discrimination practices within the hiring of head coaches or even coordinators within the NFL. Now, as far as his loss, because in the way in which I believe it was done, I think it's going to be very tough to prove in a court of law. And because of that, it's going to affect him going down the line as far as becoming a head coach eventually back in the NFL again. But I like how Pittsburgh took a flyer on him. He's a damn good coach. And Mike Tom was like, okay, listen, I see everything that's going on. I think that you can help us win. I'm going to bring you in as our linebackers coach and our senior defensive assistant. And then you know what? We're going to go ahead and get this ball rolling. And then hopefully we can go ahead and get you right back up that mountaintop again, like you already were with the Miami Dolphins win. You were fired prematurely based on the trajectory at which the team was headed. Stanford covers a lot of college football, does games uh, on Saturdays during the fall, which is uh, it's real interesting in college football. There's been an amazing turnover with uh, coordinators. Um, yes. and the same thing's going on in the NFL. Um, he's getting close to being a coordinator, but I what, wonder what you thought of uh, former teammate Ronald Curry uh, with the Saints. He's been with them. He was the uh, quarterback's coach last year. Now he's going to be bumped up to not only QB coach, but passing game coordinator. Um, you have memories of him because you guys crossed over in Oakland for a few years, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I know Ron C. <laughs> like I said, we weren't the best of friends or anything yeah. like that, but I remember uh, plenty of times we would always go against him in one-on-ones or if ever we were on defense and he was running scout team or something like that back when he was trying to rehab his way from those Achilles injuries. Man, I remember Ron C. off the line of scrimmage. He had very, very good technique with his releases, very quick at the line of scrimmage. I remember he would always go against Namdi Asamoah mostly, and I remember, you know, obviously Namdi being an all-pro at the time, he would always say, like, this guy right here, is so hectic to guard off the line of scrimmage. Just his first step is always really, really quick. He's almost kind of like got that basketball Allen Iverson. I know they're from the same part of, uh, of Virginia, even going back to high school. He's almost got that Allen Iverson type of uh, crossover at the line of scrimmage while trying to get off against a receiver and press man coverage. So yes, I remember Ron C. very well. I remember him even back when I was in high school and he was balling at University of North Carolina as a yep. point guard or as a quarterback on the football field. So definitely uh, big ups to him. And yeah, like I said, he's moving up the coaching ranks now, being the passing game coordinator. If you have New Orleans, go ahead and have a really good year passing the ball and just simply having a great offense, being able to mimic a little bit of that magic that you saw Sean Payton was able to create for such a long time. Yeah, I think you'll see offensive coordinator and Ronald Curry's very, very near future. And then also another good friend of mine, Gerard Johnson. He's now the assistant quarterback coach 
for the Minnesota Vikings. He was quality control for the Indianapolis Colts, somebody that I was coaching in high school with <laughs> just four years ago. So obviously, like I said, you go ahead, you make the most of your opportunities, and you just keep climbing that ladder. And then eventually, you're going to have that title OC attached to your name. And then after that, you'll be just like the uh, Matt LaFleurs of the world, like the Kevin O'Connells of the world, like the Sean McVay's of the world, where now you go from OC to HC. And man, I think that I think the world of both those guys. But yeah, Ron C., I think he's going to do a fine job for the New Orleans Saints, the passing game coordinator. I'm glad you uh, jogged the old guy memory because uh, obviously I remember it as well. I'm older than you. Um, the uh, Ronald Curry hype when he was coming out of high school as a two-sport star and then you know, yeah. playing quarterback and being a basketball player. And I assume no one on – like all football players think they can play basketball, and some can, but you know, many, many – <laughs> I thought I could, and I realized as a sophomore in high school yeah. that basketball was not going to get me nowhere in life. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I assume – uh, that no one on the Raiders was stepping up to Ron, you know, saying, hey, you know what, I'll play one-on-one. Let's go. Let's do it for money. Oh, no. Nah. No, nah, nobody on the team was doing that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Stanford route. We're talking a little NFL. Uh, we just got done talking about uh, one Ronald Curry who's moving up the ranks in uh, the NFL on the coaching front. Um, real interesting situation in your town, in Houston. You know, I hadn't realized it, but I, you know, when I saw the video of Nick Casario going back to the Patriots, the GM of the Texans, on the headsets and participating in game day activities – and both uh, Belichick and McDaniels at the time were like, oh, yeah, he's got a lot of knowledge. He's really unique as a GM. And then we just saw the note in the last couple of days that Lovey Smith said, yeah, we don't think Nick is going to be involved in game day activities. How is that going to work if the GM is used to doing that? Um, I think Lovey's right in saying that, but I wonder how it's executed. Well, when we talk about game day activities, we're pretty much talking about things having to do with the personnel, who's going to be up for the game, who's going to be deactivated, things like that. Which practice squad players are we going to go ahead and activate for Sunday afternoon? Because let's say we have a left guard who he's going to miss the game because he's got a sore hamstring. Or we have a receiver who's not going to play because he tweaked his ankle last week and he's not ready to go this week. So I think it's more along those well, lines. Let me, let, me, that- let, me, let me break in for a second. I, I do believe that Casario was on the headset during the game speaking to David Cully. That, that, when I saw that, I was like, whoa, I don't know about that relationship. Well, yeah, I can tell you, what that, with that being the case, that's something that is news to me. I don't know of too many teams that are operated where the GM is on the headset with the head coach during the game. Now, obviously, the GM may come down, talk to him in halftime. He may talk to him pregame and postgame, things like that. But as far as on the headset during the game, that's something that – I've never really heard about that on any team before. So with the with the with the news of Nick Casario not being involved in the game day activities, to me, that seems more of the norm. And what you were just alluding to with him being on the headset with the David Cully, to me, that's more of the anomaly. That's a weird one. So I'm glad uh, Lovey Smith is looking to get back to normal because I would think that would be distracting. Um, Absolutely. We're waiting for the schedule to come out for the NFL. It's coming up in May, and uh, one thing was leaked. Obviously, they're going to be playing some international games again. The Buccaneers, it looks like they're going to give up a, a, a home game. I, you know, I didn't look at their schedule to see if they have uh, nine or eight. It does look like they have nine home games, so they'll be back down to eight. They're going to be giving up a, a home game to go to Germany. What do you think of that? As a as a former player, and then you know the Bucks are obviously a respected team, big time winners last couple of years, giving up a home game to play in Germany. Well, I'm not exactly sure that it was their choice to be able to give up that yeah. home game, if you know what I mean. Uh, so I mean. 
like pretty much for everything that I've always heard. Uh, obviously, they try to have the East Coast teams be the ones that are involved in the NFL Europe games, whether it's in, like you said, Germany or whether it's in London or just, you know, wherever it is. Usually it would always be the Jacksonville Jaguars. That would be a team that usually would always be in there and then other teams on the East Coast. But I think that that's just pretty much kind of like the way the NFL is going. They want to grow the brand. They want to be more global. They want to be more worldwide. And so because of the way that every team is located within the United States, the East Coast teams are the ones that are the most easily accessible to going to Germany on the easier type of flight. I'm not saying any flight across the Atlantic is easy, but it's easier than per se the Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Rams for crying out loud. So I think that uh, that's just kind of what comes with the territory. And you also have a lot of players that they actually are open to the idea of playing overseas because it's a different scenery. It's a different type of atmosphere. So where we're usually just simply at Raymond James Stadium, now we're going to be over there in Germany. A lot of guys have never left the country. A lot of guys have never been to Europe. So for certain players, they actually are welcome. They actually relish the idea of playing overseas and actually getting that new experience because then you get to see exactly the type of fans that exist across the pond per se. So like I said, obviously you don't want to give up a home game. I definitely agree with what you're saying, Steve, but there's a lot of guys that uh, they're very open to the idea because it's just a new experience that they've never had before. NFL insider Stanford Route, the former Oakland Raider, is here with us, and I don't want to jump to conclusions on what happened here with the Bucks in the NFL. Um, the Bucks may have actually cooperated in this. You know, the Glazers own the Bucks. Uh, they've got international properties and in sports in Europe, so maybe there's some sort of money element for them. You just you never know. I'd like to see more details on this. Speaking of money, let's close on this one. Ooh, here we go. Aaron Rodgers, again, he's not speaking. We'll see him again on Pat McAfee on Monday, and I'm sure he'll deny everything that's been said this week. Um, (laughs) But there are reports out there. uh, We don't know if he's going to stay with the Packers, leave the Packers, but we're hearing next contract here, $45 to $50 million, right at the top of the NFL quarterback pay scale. You have any issue with that? And will that limit the teams maybe limit the Packers. Will it limit the teams that can actually take on Aaron Rodgers if he wants $45 million a year? Oh, it's definitely going to limit the teams that can take on Aaron Rodgers if he wants 45 to $50 million a year, but it was going to be a limited number of teams that are willing to take on Aaron Rodgers anyway because of the salary that he's at right now and just also the teams that he's willing to go to and play for rather than just simply threaten to retire if he was to be traded to, let's say, a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, even though they already have Trevor Lawrence, or some team that he just simply doesn't want to go to where he does not see immediate success in their future. But I think also there are going to be teams that are skittish of that because just like I was listening to today, who's the last guy? The last guy who was paid an exorbitant amount, more than 13% of the team's salary cap that actually was able to win a Super Bowl. So you pay all that money to your quarterback and all of a sudden there are certain free agents you're not able to bring in. There are certain guys you're not able to keep. So it's just going to have a trickle-down effect because you're not going to be able to have a lot of your core players. And when you look at the Los Angeles Rams, obviously they had Matthew Stafford. They won the Super Bowl just a couple weeks ago. And you have your Jalen Ramseys of the world. You have your Aaron Donalds of the world. Obviously you have your Cooper Cups of the world. But there are so many other guys. Like when you look at Floyd, the other outside rusher, when you look at a Van Jefferson, when you look at a Darius Williams, the opposite corner from a Jalen Ramsey, that's how you win those Super Bowls. Like you got to have those core guys and those simple guys that where you may be able to pay them five or six million a year. 
you're not even even able to afford that because you're paying the quarterback 45 million a year so you really can only afford a three million dollar a year corner or three million dollar a year uh slot receiver or a number three receiver something like that so it gets really difficult when those quarterbacks get those huge exorbitant salaries it's hard to keep that team together you look at the seattle seahawks they were the legion of boom 2012 2013 2014 all of a sudden they start paying russell wilson that large contract and then you see the Cam Chancellors of the world retire. You see they no longer can hold on to Richard Sherman. They let Earl Thomas go. And you just start to see certain players just walk out of the door, whether it be via trade, free agency, he gets released, he gets cut, something like that. So I think that that alone in itself is going to limit the amount of suitors for Aaron Rodgers, not only because he may not simply want to go to your organization if he doesn't see success right away based on the team, the way the team is constructed, but also teams know if I pay this guy all of this money, this is what's going to be the backside of that. It's going to be that much harder for us to get to the mountaintop and win that ultimate championship. Awesome stuff today. Enjoy the weekend. Right. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Stanford route. All right. Be good, man. Talk to you next week. Be safe. There he is, Stanford Route, right here on Cofield and Company. Time for a giveaway. Caller 7364-1100. Porta Subs celebrating 50 years as your neighborhood sandwich shop. We're giving away a two-foot Porta Sub sandwich, 364-1100. Caller 7, and you qualify for a chance to get two tickets to the big March 7th show at Allegiant Stadium. It's the Academy of Country Music Awards. 20 live performances. It's hosted by Dolly Parton. Includes acts like Chris Young and Eric Church and Kelsey Ballerini. But right now, you get that two-foot Porta Sub sandwich. You can get your own at any of the 20-plus Porta Subs in the Las Vegas area. 364-1100. Ari will set you up. Caller number seven. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, Candy, let's get people set up for the two games VGK has this weekend. One on the road tonight against Zona. Back tomorrow at home against the Avalanche. Tonight, minus 270. Zona's not good, and the situation in Arizona's not good with the uh, upcoming arena challenges. So what happens tonight? Golden Knights should be fine tonight. This is an Arizona team that has already pre-deadline made clear that it is not interested in competing in any way this year. They're going to be selling off pieces from now through the middle of March. Golden Knights should be in absolutely fine shape. They've had an extended break themselves right Pete DeBoer did say that the flu is making its way through the team so might have some guys under the weather but uh, right now you look at this Golden Knights team and say to yourself well they're gonna have to get the job done in net now with uh, with the injury situation but the offense should be picking up at the right time Robin Leonard on IR not good you look at this situation for the Golden Knights Laurent Brassois has been good in a relief role. and Robin Leonard really hadn't been great thus far this year. But look, man, I got taken outside to the woodshed and beaten up for talking about the idea of Marc-Andre Fleury coming back to the Golden Knights. Doesn't sound so crazy now, does it? You didn't get beat up by me. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, others on the show and many in the market, mm-hmm. I I said at the time, I thought, you know, extend Fleury for a couple of years. He's the more reliable guy. 
And, uh, you know, then you deal with who the goalie of the future is down the road. And I thought you actually could have gotten something for Robin Leonard in a trade. But, uh, you know, not to pile on, you know, because he's hurt right now. But he's been injured much of the season. And when he has played, he hasn't been great. And, you know, now Logan Thompson is going to have to play. And, you know, his first game, you know, the Sharks game, solid. But the Sharks aren't good. And, you know, now you have the Avalanche coming to town. And here's the other problem. Like you just said, you got to get the job done. Like, they don't have a lot of room for error here. Like, all of a sudden, because you've got some teams that are surprising people in the Pacific, like, you look behind the Knights, some of these teams catch them, and they're on the outside looking in. I don't think that's going to be a problem once the Golden Knights get to play this division a little bit more and once they get something resembling healthy because we don't even have the real Jack Eichel yet, right? Jack Eichel scored for the Golden Knights against the Sharks. That's great. But we haven't had a chance to really see him at full speed with everybody else in the lineup, and we're not going to see them truly full speed because you're not going to see Mark Stone until, hopefully, the playoffs. So the Golden Knights right now need to do what we expected them to do, which is take care of this division, right? I know there are teams playing better than expected. I know this Calgary team is a problem for VGK. But beyond that, is there anyone in this division that the Golden Knights really should be struggling with? No, there isn't. Before we get out of here, got to remind you, and here is Finley North Volkswagen. Come on down tonight, tomorrow, anytime you can. Check out great line of cars, including the Tiguan, the Passat, the family car of the year, the Atlas, uh, right now on certified pre-owned models. APR as low as 1.99%, which is an awesome rate. I was uh, earlier before the show walking around looking at some of the cars, and the Atlas, uh, not only the regular Atlas, but the crossboard is uh, pretty badass. And we didn't mention the Taos, which has now entered into the uh, smaller SUV realm, but there's a lot of cool cars to choose from, and the folks up here want to make some deals, so uh, come on down. It, it is on, uh, what, Azer, 7500 Azer, uh, Finley North Volkswagen. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So our TV discussion earlier, did it light the fire? So you're in on Mayor of Kingstown. Ari's in on nothing because he's very busy. Do you have room for another suggestion? Candy. I'm willing to consider anything from your vast TV library. What do you got? Uh, My top ten rankings right now are 1883, Reacher, Gilded Age, Righteous Gemstones, Inventing Anna, Euphoria, Ozark. I'm actually done with Ozark, but I'll keep it in the rankings. Pam and Tommy, which you're very against. I heard that yesterday. Tinder Swindler. I can't say it, but Tinder Swindler. And um, I haven't gotten on Love is Blind 2, but I will. Um, movies. Dave Koken last night suggested we started talking about on our betting podcast, sports podcast, as we used to do on Cofield and Company. We started talking about John Wayne. Yeah. And uh, he suggested a 1959 movie, Rio Bravo. So I will watch that this weekend. Maybe the most on-brand Koken thing I've ever heard. Okay, He, he yeah. loves old westerns. Loves them. Okay. So I, I must say, you just actually jogged something for me. The same friend who introduced me to Merrick Kingstown, we watched a couple of episodes of Righteous Gemstones. Let's do it. That is a trip. That 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 is a hilarious kind of crazy, dark, weird show. That, that 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 I can actually endorse. Ari, are you passing on watching TV and using um, the Olive Garden gift card? Is that your big plans this what? weekend? Oh, <laughs> which one of your Funny. exes are you taking to the Olive Garden? That thing is long gone. How good you used it? Come on now, excellent. Yes. I'm a single man who 
doesn't really cook too well. Likes pasta and all the breadsticks you can eat. Something like that. Yes. And clam chowder. Give me one thing you have planned this weekend. Oh, uh, I just forgot, honestly. Oh, he forgot. What is happening? He you're forgot. putting me on the spot, and I forgot. Oh, no. How, do I, how am I going to remember that thing I had planned this weekend? The key weekend? is I don't have time for whatever it is you're saying. I, don't, you I can't planned. do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm busy. I don't know why. I'm busy. That's right. Right, probably really uh, prepping for the show for Monday. You know, we got to be. You're not prepping up, so. for the. Sh- you don't work <laughs> that. I mean, you work nope. hard, but give me a break. Thank um, you, Steve. Kofi. In celebration of National Clam Chowder Day, how about get a chowder? Yeah, how about no? <laughs> really? Bro, that is the. That is no. I, there's so many levels to why that wouldn't work for me. I mean, I'll. Yeah, but I, I, you'll think of them later. That's right, because we have ten seconds. So, uh, I, unfortunately, I would give you the answer, but we're just gonna have to. Sign off. Sorry. Very important that we close on this. Here's the latest update on MLB and the negotiations. Well, let's so, talk about uh, 